Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Thanks, Scott. And folks, how is your plant world doing? If you'd like to talk about it, you can simply give us a call, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. But before we can talk to you, we have to take the good gardening stroll. And... Afterwards, we can talk about your trees, your perennials, that uh, area that's slow, that water always sits, especially after that rain we had last week. Uh, shrubs. I was just talking to Drew, who was producing, and uh, gave him some advice on a shrub that would be blooming in the summertime that he may plant in his landscape. And uh, anything in the outdoors, or simply we can step inside to your tropical world. We can talk about routine care, and we can talk about uh, uh, should you put it in a bigger pot? Should it be what kind of soil should you use? Should you be doing any kind of pruning? Is there any insects? Yes. Is there anything suspicious, spots and transplanting and things like that? Taking cuttings and beyond. I'll share my knowledge, and uh, hopefully it'll make enable you to make some good decisions. But remember... It's your show, and I appreciate you having me into your plant world. Another very important player is Drew. As I said before, he's producing, so he answers the phone. He just needs your first name when you call in, and then he'll put it up on the computer screen, and then I will talk to you. And I can come to your plant world and uh, do an on-site consultation, evaluation of your landscape. And it's called a walk and talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. And on the homepage, there's my email address and phone number. Today after the show, I'm headed to Rock Hill. And, well, let's get strolling. This walk is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. At the corner of Welsh and Morganford, in the shadow of the Bevo Mill, stands the Edward H. Long School. And the lawn was recently cut. I knew I know that. Simply, well, you can see by the visuals, but also as soon as I stepped out of my car, I could smell freshly cut grass. So they must have cut it pretty uh, late yesterday. And that fragrance is uh, causes me to sneeze sometimes. Didn't this morning, but it can. And uh, the landscape is in general sprinkled with various sized trees, very mature oak trees, very mature upright junipers, as well as some recently planted trees. And then part of the uh, front landscape of this school is the Long International Middle School Community Garden. 
and is supported by the Wells Fargo Advisors, the Missouri Foundation for Health, and Gateway Greening. There's giant clumps of pampas grass there. Rises up, and I mean, it's not, it's about, uh, let's say, half mature size. So it's just, it's going to be keep climbing and getting bigger and bigger and bigger. There's individual raised bed spaces, and you can find raspberry, lots of raspberry canes in there, all in white flowers, getting ready to be pollinated and uh, then produce raspberries. There's some budded onions. There's some asparagus. There's numerous varieties of perennials. And then surroundings include compost bins, bench, clumps of maiden grass, redbud tree <laughs> sprouts, so I guess those are from redbud trees that uh, sort of the seeds were brought in by either birds or they were brought in by kids or, or something. I don't know exactly where they came from. And there's an iris with some spent flowers. So the iris has passed blooming, but the foliage still looks good. There's a ground cover type juniper that's weaving in and around a few things. And this really this morning, the sun was so bright, but the breeze was really pretty darn cool. I just wore you know my shorts that I always wear. And it's a short sleeve shirt, and I hmm, I thought maybe I should have put on something more than the short sleeve shirt. The bird chorus was singing, welcoming this Saturday morning. And as I looked up and thought, well, maybe I should go ahead and uh, head downtown and go down Gravoy to get to KMOX, which is right here on Olive. It's on in between Olive and all about well the entrance to. KMOX, or Odyssey, is on Olive. So it was good fun. I'll take a call or two before we take a break. Let's go over to Ann's yard. Hi, Ann. Hi, Mike. Um, I bought a Better Boy tomato plant in a pot with one of those round wire trellis things to support it, uh-huh. and it's already about almost three feet tall. Can I keep that in the pot, or do I have to put it in the ground? How big is a pot? Eight inches. Eight inches? Uh-huh. Uh, Eight inches wide, I measured it. Yeah, that's not very big. If you're going to do that, you're going to have to make sure that you really stay on top of it as far as keeping it watered because there's okay. not a whole lot of potting mix there. To, and tomatoes need a lot of water to do well. So okay. that's the only disadvantage to it. But apparently, you know, whoever the production company, production nursery was, they were sort of saying since they put the – the tomato ring yeah, in ready, with yeah. it that uh, you sh- you can leave it there. I'd give it a try, but uh, just make sure that you don't let it go t- get dry. Okay. I also use that Schultz plant food. Can I use that for tomatoes, or will that harm the soil so that I can't eat the tomatoes? Well, I would use, I would get regular just tomato food because it's going to have some... food. Okay. All right. I wondered about that. Yeah, because it's going to have micronutrients that the other the Schultz's doesn't have. And that's okay. going to make you know, production better. Okay. Also, I have lots of nice squirrels in my yard. Is there anything I can put on that plant that I could spray that wouldn't poison the tomatoes but would keep the squirrels away? Yeah, I would, go, I would look at a, a company called Bonide, B-O-N-I-D-E. Uh-huh. You can go to Bonide.com and look and see what they have as far as a repellent and uh, as would be safe for uh, you know putting on edible plants. Okay. Is that something that... 
a nursery might know about, or maybe a job probably better off going online. Well, you, I mean, you can go to a nursery. It's just a specific company that ha, you know that Bonide is. Right. They may okay. have an alternative that would be fine, that would be organic and not impact your edible plants. But that's oh, okay. uh, you know. Okay. Also, you mentioned horticultural vinegar for clover. Do you know where I can get that? Um, so you're just going to have to kind of check around at various, you know, you know, garden centers. Probably okay. not the big box store types, but right. year-round garden centers, they may have it. Okay. And one more thing. I just planted a whole lot of ivy. Is there any – and I, put, I use Osmocote on my other ivy in the spring and the fall, but is there another kind of fertilizer that would be – advantageous to use on that ivy now to get it a good start? Uh, fertilizing as we go into summertime may not be the best thing to do. Okay, so just leave it alone. Yeah, okay. leave it alone and just make sure, again, if it's recently planted, that it doesn't go in, through any kind of drought stress. And then as we get towards the end of summer, like in August, maybe do a fertilizing then and then do a fertilizing in September. Oh, okay. And then next year when, you know, as the weather warms up, let's say sometime in late March, early April, do an application of fertilizer and then do it monthly up till June. And up get until a, June. Yeah, and get a fertilizer for acid-loving plants. For acid-loving plants. Okay. Right. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Sure. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Mike Miller, KM Wash Garden Hotline, 314-436-7900 or one 800 Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We have some phone lines open. And last week, a friend of mine from Soulard called in, and uh, he he shared some information with us. And basically what it is is he had some... Some squirrels, squirrels are in Soulard, they're pretty much every place. And uh, he found a a product that would repel the squirrels. And what you can, if you'd like to have this, and then a lady called in about uh, squirrels were eating her wooden fences and things like that. So this is a repellent that works on all kinds of wildlife. And the website is www.predator.com. P-Store, this is all one word, P-Store.com. So there's no spaces or anything else, and it's P-R-E-D-A-T-O-R-P-E-E-S-T-O-R-E.com. So if you've got problems with wildlife or anything else and you want to repel them, now I'm not sure if that's going to work on the lady was asking about her tomatoes, but uh, you can certainly go to this website and see if it can be used on edible plants as well. But basically, it's used for uh, on construction type stuff, or you know that squirrels may do damage to. So let's go now to Laura's. Hi, Laura. Hi, Mike. Hi. We have property um, on a small lake an hour south of St. Louis, and I was looking for um, a plant that I could put on the dock. Maybe you know a little bit of color, an annual or a perennial. We get the hot morning sun. We do catch the wind a lot. Um, just something to put a little bit of color or even, you know, green, you know, that would be able to stay all summer. And then I bring it in for the winter. So any suggestions? All right. So are you talking about something to grow on pots on the deck? Or are you talking about something in the ground surrounding? No, no, I'd put it in pots. Okay. So you'd probably, uh, 
the, the, the gist of it is, though, is we're not there every day. Right. So it would not be watered daily. Right. Most of the stuff wouldn't have to be watered daily, I wouldn't think. You know, most plants don't need that. But I would probably take a look at uh, some of the tropical houseplant type things. Okay. Okay. I mean, All there's right. everything. You could do a combination like, say, pothos and have that, you know, cascading over the edge of the pot. Or wandering Jew having that cascade over the pot, and then uh, something like uh, let's have uh, tropical type bamboo that would uh, you know go vertical. So do a combination of a couple of things, and probably okay. make this you know put them in a pot that's at least a five gallon size pot. Right, I would need something heavy too because right. of what. And you know the bottom, uh, let's say. would be stone to make sure to guarantee there's going to be drainage. And then what you can do is set it in a saucer and that will help, you know, the fact that you're not going to be there all the time. And then, and then fertilize on a, you know, every time you go down there, just go ahead and fertilize it at that time. All right. And then I guess I could always throw in some annuals just to put a little pop of color. Right. Well, these are, you know, this stuff has, you know, kind of colorful leaves. So, you could, oh, okay. But, yeah, you could put some annuals in there. But the let's see, probably, well, it's going to be personal choice as far as the annuals that you want. Sure, sure. But pathos and wandering Jew. Right. Okay. So, great. Thanks for your help. I really appreciate your right. show. And then if you want something vertical that gives some color that's pretty tough, uh, there's angel wing and devil wing begonias. They're going to get about uh, 12, 14 inches high. With pretty good size foliage, and even though the foliage is green, but the flowers are either pink or red, and uh, they're pretty tough and durable. Okay. Thank you so much. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's see. Where should we go? Let's go over to Joanne's yard. Hi, Joanne. Hello. Good morning. Thank Hi. you. Hi. I have a frustrating issue in that I have several of my trees. I think they may be linden trees, and these like small branches grow out of the base. And they start out small, but then if I don't keep cutting them back, all of a sudden they're two feet tall, and it's really a messy look. Is there anything I can do to prevent them from growing there? Not really. I'm surprised if these are linden trees are actually doing that. Does does the tree look healthy? Oh, yeah, and and maybe they're not linden, okay? I I think they are, but I have two or three very healthy trees that are big, but at the base, they have these, you know, these like branches or stems that come up and, I, you know, I, I cut them back. Right. And then if I don't look for a couple of weeks, then all of a sudden they're back and they're six or eight inches tall and it's a really messy look. Yeah, if it's a linden tree, the linden trees are in flower, even though they're not, the flowers are not spectacular by in seed. So they would have something like that, you know, on them right now that's, you yes. know, that drops on the ground. Yes. But, well, don't the linden trees smell really good? Uh, well, not necessarily. Okay. Then maybe it's not a linden tree. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody told me it was. (laughs) You know, we've got uh, our neighbor, Pam, she has a couple linden trees as street trees right in front of our house, and I can't honestly say I've ever really smelled them, so. Okay. Well, then they must not be, because I have a tree that will will flower, and it smells, you walk by, and it smells nice. Oh, great. So. Yeah, I like it. Okay, well, but, so I just have to cut it back. I mean, can I put, like, one of those brush killers on there? Do you think? I mean, I'm talking about mature trees. Yeah. Like, I would not do that because you could 
could have an adverse impact because probably what's happening is this sucker growth is coming off the root system. Okay. And it sounds like these trees may be grafted. I'm not saying that they are for sure. But okay. uh, usually if you have sucker growth at a base of a tree, that's usually what it is, is related to the fact that they were, you know, the root system and the trunk are two separate plants. They were glued together, you know, a graft, and that's probably what, uh, you know, what, you know, the circumstance All right. is. All right. Wait a second. I have another quick question. Why has my bird of paradise, probably five, six, seven years old, big, 12 feet tall, maybe taller, never bloomed? Can I do anything? It's uh, healthy. Are you fertilizing? Yeah. I would. Yeah. That's about all you're going to be able to do. Fertilize. Do you, do you move it outside? Well, if it's that tall, you you don't move yeah, it outside, it do you? Yeah. Oh, you do? Yeah, it's not easy, but it goes in and out. Right. If it stays out. It's, it's been out for, say, you know, several weeks now. It'll stay out until, you know, frost approaches, and then it goes inside, and there's big windows. And it's, it's really a cool tree, and it'll do well in the window. Right. But it never blossomed once. I would say go to Missouri Botanical Garden website, mobot.org, and see what they okay. say about uh, what type of fertilizer may induce, you know, the, okay. the flowering. All right. Thank you. You have a terrific show. Thanks so much. Well, thank you for having me on your show. Bye. Bye. And now let's go over to Jeff's yard. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Mike. Thanks for your show, and good morning, everyone. I have a hydrangea tree in my yard and last uh year during all that really strong wind we had it kind of broke off not fully at the base so i straightened it back up i put a uh stick or something to hold it steady and tied it to that and it seemed to do okay this year i had a lot of what you term sucker stuff coming up tall and the tree was looking okay i had some others at least out but not as good as the others but now the it seems the top isn't doing good i wonder if i should just let those suckers come up and get rid of the top of the tree it's not a it's only about three years old yeah uh basically you know when that when the trunk got broken then that pretty much, even though it may have had some leaves and things like that, uh, it's pretty much gone. So okay. what, what happened is now you're getting all this sucker growth, growth off the root system. And to make that, don't anticipate making that into a tree because truly there isn't really a hydrangea tree. What they are are hydrangeas that have been pruned in the production nurseries to be trees. So in other words, not understand that there was a pruning for years and years and years to make it look like a tree, though it's not technically a tree. So don't expect these the sucker growth to start producing any kind of tree-looking circumstance. It's going to be just a regular-type shrub. All right. Okay, Mike. Hey, have a great day, and thanks for your service. Well, sure. Thank you, and thanks for having me on your show. I greatly appreciate it. Yeah, that's you know sure. the problem. And so, unfortunately, when uh, any kind of trunk on anything – you know, has a major crack in it, that's going to lead to some not necessarily instantaneous death of the top, you know, growth, but uh, uh, it could be a slow death, but it's usually going to go downhill for sure. I didn't know if it would, since I stood it back up, if it would heal and graft itself down there. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's there was no problem trying it because you may get lucky, but to get the vascular system, in other words, the veins from the part that was, let's say, knocked over and make it match to the part that you're lifting it back up to to make it vertical with is going to be really iffy at best. All right. All right. Well, have a great day. Thank you. Enjoy the beautiful weather. Yes, perfect day. So, folks, we've got phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, back to the phones we go. If you have any questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. I had somebody just rush in in a panic over their Christmas cactus that has historic reverence to the family and everything else. They were having a difficult time with it, so I spent during that break trying to help her get some new cuttings. And right now, let's head over to Boomer's yard. Hi, Boomer. Yeah, hi, Mike. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I have two questions. Uh, My first question is about, like, stone colors, like uh, like where you might put mulch, but instead maybe you put river stones. Right. And uh, I was wondering, with the colors of the stones and retaining the heat, you know, maybe due to the color of the stones, like maybe black as opposed to white. Does that affect the roots at all? Not all that much. So it's gotcha. whether you use like a tan river rock or you use, you know, anything, any kind of color is not going to make that much difference. Okay. Okay. And I would probably, if you're going to do this, just make sure that you, when you buy it, that you get, let's say, it's going to be called clean. So, in other words, you get two-inch clean rock. So, you're not going to have uh, rock that's two inches, some that's one inch, some that's like pea gravel. So, you don't want to have that happen. You just want to have con- consistent size. Okay. Good to know. That's that's really good to know. That was actually part of my first question, too. Okay. My second question is, when you have trees or shrubs that don't get adequate light right and then the leaves die off of them the 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 tree is still going you know higher up with the leaves but it's got those branches that are just they look dead should you leave those alone or should you cut them no if you have you know branches off any kind of trunk of a tree or off a larger branch that is defoliated entirely due to the environment that branch is basically dead and if, if it's due to the shade or whatever the factor is then it's not going to have energy enough to be able to push out new growth on those. Okay, so, you know, my mom always taught me that a lot of times your tree's going to spend energy in places or it shouldn't or your flowers will. So that's why I was wondering if you should just cut it off and, and just get rid of that possibility. Yeah, basically those branches should be cut off. And just with the final cut off the uh, either trunk or off the large branch that or larger branch that's attached to, and just leave about a quarter inch stub. Okay, awesome. Well, Mike, really appreciate it. Love your show. Thank well, you. Well, great. Well, thanks for having me on your show. And now let's head over to Art's yard. Hi, Art. Yes, Mike. This is sort of botanical related. You were in um, Air Force Intelligence. I'm just wondering. The cold shoulder that I get with respect to the Jack Danforth plant experimental uh, projects over there, do you know exactly what's going on there? 
with respect to, say, nitrogen fixation, independence, and so forth. I'm really curious what they're trying to develop as far as hybrids. Basically, I you know I don't know specifics enough, but uh, I mean they're probably just trying to get something that's going to you know work a little bit better than what uh, you know some of the non hybrids are. So, but I don't know the specifics. You might call the uh, or you know go into the website for the Missouri Botanical Garden and see what they say. Well, I don't have internet or anything. Okay. Oh, I will go work by landline, and I got the shoulder whenever I talk about it. It uh, comes through cold to me, and I'm uh, wondering whether that was a classified installation. Oh, no, not at all. Yeah, no. Well, well like I say, you never know what's going on. Right. Well, you can go to the libraries now. They have computers that you can use, city uh, libraries. Well, they'd probably take me another eight years of study to get off that. <laughs> Like it won't I, take that long. Somebody there can I, probably I, help you. At 93, Mike, oh. you know, I've uh, seen a lot of things go undercover and never show up and things develop. And you say, how did that happen, you know? Right. So, yeah. Transparency is one of the good things and accommodation, but seems like everything's sort of too. Yes, yeah. even though it's in theory more in the open because of all the electronic stuff, it's really even more hidden to me. Let me tell you, I was in, in intelligence over in Korea during the world during the Korean War, so I w- was on the ground floor with a lot of these senior intelligence officers. So I get to know a lot of things from their background. Sure. That goes on for political purposes. Right. Well, thanks, Art. Greatly appreciate it. And good luck. Thank you. And now let's head over to Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. Hi, Mike. Um, I have English ivy growing up either side of my sidewalk that's at least 30 years old. And um, I trim it, and it looks great. But this year, more than 50% of it's dead. Like, it will, um, like, snap. It's really bad. And I didn't know, uh, does it just get so root-bound that I can't use it anymore? I mean, it won't grow anymore? Or what should I do? Well, it's probably a combination of several things, age, as well as uh, that that nasty cold spell that we had in the fall really did some major damage to lots of different broadleaf evergreens, and that's what the ivy is. So it's, you know, it's probably, you can leave it where it is, but I would start considering getting some new, you know, some new plants and then adding it into where the established plants are. Oh, okay. So dig up the old stuff and put in some new. And right. See where it, exactly. Okay. And if you've got okay, some great. stems that still have foliage on them, just leave those alone. And if you've got some stems, I'm sure they're, I mean, some of the stems got to be pretty good size, at least a half inch. And, yeah, they uh, are. Mm-hmm. And so consequently... You just got to, if they don't have any foliage on them, just pull, you know, get rid of those. And that's where you need to put in some new. Okay. All right. Great. Thanks so much for your help. Sure. My pleasure. Mm-hmm. All right. Bye-bye. And now let's head over to Barb's yard. Hi, Barb. Hi, Mike. Hi. Thanks so much. Sure. Um, I have some Stromance tricolors plants. I have five of them. They're pretty big. 
and a lot of them have the tips of the leaves are all brown. And I don't know if I should cut all those leaves off and start over from let it do its own thing, or am I watering it too much? I, that could be. Now, what's a, what's this plant's name? Uh, it's a stromanth, S-P-R-O-M-A-N-T-H-E, tricolor. Okay. They're beautiful. Right. The top of the leaf is variegated, and the underside is red. Right. So these yeah. are house plants you're talking about, correct? Well, they've been in the house all winter. Right. Right. <laughs> and, then I, and then I put them outside. Right. So in other words, they are tropical house plants, and that's why you have yeah, to bring them tropical. in the wintertime. But, it, yeah, right. so it, the tips, I mean, that could be related to the type of water that you have. So in other words, the t- end of the leaf is where – let's say the mineral quality of the water will continue to go until it kind of can like do a burn. And that's what it is. So maybe start using something other than tap water. Use, you know, like bottled water if you want. You you can oh, buy boy. the gallons. And these don't really take a whole lot of watering. So just make sure if it was over water, then the leaves would be dropping, not necessarily just getting it, you know, let's say an ugly tip on the leaf. And yeah, with that, I would I'd say if ninety nine percent of the leaf is looking good, leave them alone. And you just rather than look at that uh, burnt tip, just don't look at that. So put on some <laughs> rose colored glasses and say, "Oh, those look really great." And don't look at the burnt tip because the the size of the leaf is going to make it so that uh, it keeps it healthy. You start cutting yeah, off the leaves, and you're going to have trouble. These are large leaves on these. They're right. pretty big. Right. I love with them at the Missouri Botanical Garden, and I just had to get some. So. <laughs> um, now, my husband's getting frustrated because we've been taking them in and out for the last four winters. Uh-huh. Now, it could be the age of the plant, too. I don't know. Well, but, that age, you know, have you, what size pot are they in? Um. Pretty big, about twelve inch. 12 oh, inch so pot. that should be plenty. That's you know, okay. They should be able to survive in that size pot. They're going to be heavy. There's no getting around it. And uh, but yeah, so just kind of leave them alone. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate your show. Sure. Well, thanks for having me on your show. Okay. Yeah. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Bye-bye. Have a great day. Yep. Mike Miller, KM Walsh Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, back to the phones we go, and we're headed over to Rita's yard. Hi, Rita. Hello, Mike. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I moved into a new house last fall, and I've got a couple of questions about a couple of the plants I've never had before. One of them is the spilled wine wajalia. I was just getting ready this spring to cut off the dead stalks from last year. Uh-huh. And it looked like the new growth was coming out of the dead stalks. Is that right? Yeah, they can. Okay. So Wygelias, now they, you know, they suffered a little bit of damage this, you know, this past winter. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they're not going to put out new stems. This is a shrub, so it's, you know, it should be in flower now. And there may be some damaged, you know, twigs or stems or branches or whatever. If you have some that don't have any leaves on them, then you can go ahead and cut those off. But uh, just basically leave it alone. Okay, so I can cut them off now. Right. How, how big will that get? How It just depends upon the variety. I mean, some of them can get to six feet high and six feet wide. Oh, wow. Some of them will be a little bit smaller. Just depends upon the variety. Okay. And what kind of fertilizer do I use? Just a, a tree and shrub type food would be the best thing. Or what you can do is just do some deep root feeding where you like dig some holes around the base of it and backfill those holes with compost. And then the compost feeds the soil. Then consequently, a healthier soil will feed the plants. Uh, okay. And then if you're going to do get, let's say, tree and shrub type food, you don't want to feed going into summertime because you don't want to force, you know, growth, in, you know, that late in the season. So wait until next year to do the fertilizing sometime in, let's say, uh, early March, mid-March, weather dependent, and then fertilize a monthly with no fertilizer after June. Okay, so I can... Fertilize it once now while it's blooming and then stop. Right. So don't okay. fertilize in the summertime because you can force some growth. And if we get another, you know, weird, you know, cold snap like we had this, you know, this previous or this past year, then consequently it could do some damage. Okay. Um, I've got blue holly. Let's see. Yes, blue holly. Um I've had China Girl, China Boy before, but this is really different. Um, it's got the different level or length of spears. Does it continue to grow like that? Yes. So okay. it's going to be the same kind. It's going to need the same kind of care as the other holly that you've had historically. Okay. I think that's it, Mike. Thank you so very much. Sure. My Love pleasure. You, well, thank you. And now let's go over to Donna's yard. Hi, Donna. Hi. Hi. How are you this morning? Very good. 
Okay, I have a question about a rhododendron. It's I've had this bush forever, probably, oh, I don't know, 28 years. And every spring, it gets these beautiful magenta-colored, huge flowers on it, except for this year. This is the first time it's happened. Um, it was loaded with blooms. A fraction of the blooms opened, and the ones that did only opened partially with this little tiny flower on top of it, but the rest of the bloom didn't open. The leaves on the bush look fine. The blooms just didn't open. And I'm guessing it's weather-related or drought-related. Um, I don't know. I like your opinion about that, first of all. And second of all, because it sets the buds for next year after it blooms, do I cut these dead buds off? Do I trim it a little so that it blooms for me next year? Well, ba- basically, with any of the rhododendrons, azaleas, that, that whole group, the time to prune is right after they finish flowering. So that way right. it you know, has a chance to do the flower buds for next year. And the reason why you had more or less dysfunctional blooming this year was weather-related. Gotcha. So I should probably trim this back a bit to force it to create new blooms. So these are goners, the, yeah. the ones that didn't open. They're not even going to open anymore this year. No, was, they won't. I would suspect. Yeah, I didn't think so. Okay. One more question, if you have time. I have a holly bush. Um, it's probably about five foot tall. Lost all of its leaves through the winter. I thought it was a goner. And this spring, the leaves started popping out again. A lot of dead stuff around it that I trimmed off. But all the leaves are on, like, the stems that are already there. Is this thing going to grow new little branches, or are these leaves just going to continue to go up the stems, and it's going to look weird forever? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's... I keep talking about the you know the cold snap that we had in the fall, so that that's what knocked all the foliage off of it. So I would say just leave it alone for a year and see what you think. Okay, I can do that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'll be patient. Thank you so much for everything you do for us. Sure, my pleasure. All right. And Carl, could you do it kind of quick? Hello, Carl. Hmm. Carl's not there. Let's go to John. John, can you do it quickly? Uh, yeah, I think so. I'm going to do soil today for my potted plants. And I'd, it, what ratio would it be on a compost? Uh, would it be like three to one topsoil? I just got regular topsoil at a, not a, like a Brentwood material store. Okay. Just, you now, know, I can get it in bulk. What are you trying to grow in these pots? Annuals, full sun, annuals on the front of my house. Okay. So, uh, generally, I recommend doing a potting mix, not a potting, you know, not a soil. But if you go ahead and try that. But, yeah, I'd probably do maybe 25% compost with the topsoil that you bought. And that should work just fluffing. I don't, you know, I'm not going to put that white perlite in there, am I? I don't need that. Well, you know, that's the problem. That's why I always recommend using potting mix because uh, depending upon, do they have drainage holes in the bottom of the pots? Yes. Okay, so Every as long as you have drainage holes, yeah. That will help, but uh, just to make sure that the annuals you get can handle uh, a damper soil, that's the problem with using, let's say, topsoils versus a potting mix. Okay. Would you recommend any kind of potting mix? 
please? Just any kind, any type of potting mix should work. It doesn't matter because it's going to have all. It's going to help with the drainage and everything else. And uh, it's just you know it's be- it's just better for growing plants to be honest. And you don't want me to add any of the topsoil that I bought at that supply. Let you don't want me to add any of that, huh? You don't need to do that. Okay. All right. Uh, one. Can I have one more quick one? Sure. I've got a thick Atlas cedar in my front yard. It's it's losing its needles uh, a little bit, and it's it's coming back a little bit, but a lot of little pink needles all over the place. Is that thing dying? It, if there are interior needles, no. That's just a, a type of thing that you should anticipate. It you know that's happening. I so. topped the plant about a year ago because it was getting too tall. Cut it at an angle, the way Hartke told me to. So I didn't know if that put it through shock or what. No, it shouldn't have. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that tree is a little bit uh, iffy at best. So just understand that they're not easy to grow here. They don't necessarily like it here. And so dropping needles is, uh, you know, I mean, that's conifers just do that this time of year. I have mugle pine that's doing that. And, you know, all the conifers do that this time of year. So, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. We will be back after the news. Now, at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, this is the second hour and is a tip of the trial hour. And it's an on-air recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me this past week. And it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Right now, if you have any ideas, questions, concerns, or comments related to your plant world, whether it's plants inside your house or outside your house, you can give us a call because we do have some phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And uh, guess what, folks? Tip of the trial goes out to everybody. Everybody that's doing things in their yard to make their yard look nice. I mean, I walk around our neighborhood all the time, and you know, I go to people, other neighborhoods for my walk and talks and things like that. Some people are doing spectacular. This is a great year to me as far as the aesthetics and everything else. And some people are not into their yard. I don't expect everybody to do it, but the people that are is, are just amazing how the quality of their landscape from an aesthetic standpoint is just absolutely fantastic. So uh, tip of the trial just goes out to normal people that are, you know, taking care of their plant material. It's just really neat to see. And by the way, thanks for inviting me onto your show where discussions can be from making a selection of a plant to go in a specific location, then how to care for it, talking about what should be done during the peak season versus the humdrum times, whether they're annuals, whether the spring bulbs, uh, the spring bulbs, if you have any daffodils or tulips or things like that, uh, probably by now you can go ahead and cut the foliage down. Uh, the summer bulbs, you're probably just uh, ex- anticipating or seeing the new growth begin, whether it be elephant ears, cannas, gladiolas, or whatever. How about the herbs, vegetables, fruit trees, evergreens, herbaceous ground covers, perennials, Cascading or upright houseplants, cool or warm season lawns. My zoysia is really looking spectacular right now. 
So I did my first fertilization, and I'm going to do my second fertilization probably today when I get home. Uh, how about a shrub or classic-type roses? And uh, screenings. Those neighbors, ugh, they don't necessarily care for them. I mean, they're nice people, but I want to screen them. How about the, what would be a good tree for screening? Um, guess what? All kinds of different stuff. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take for success, but strictly offered for you to consider. Another very important player for the show to actually be heard by you is Drew. He's producing, so when you call in, he just needs your first name, and then he'll get it up on the computer screen, and then we'll go from there. And then when he's not answering the phone, he's pushing all these buttons and everything else so you can hear me. And by the way, who is me? I'm Mike Miller. I've been doing the Garden Hotline since 1994. And besides this Saturday morning get-together that we have, I can come to your plant world, your landscape, and do an on-site consultation, a walk and talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage, there's my email address and phone number. And as I said before, the tip of the trowel, it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. And again, it just goes out to the people. You see them out, uh, you know, just taking care of their landscape. It doesn't have to be massive. It doesn't have to be a whole lot or anything else. And uh, so just thanks to everybody that takes care of the plant material. Greatly appreciate it. Let's go ahead and take a call or two. Let's go over to Mary's yard. Mary, how are you? I'm fine, Mike. This is kind of an unusual call, I guess. My granddaughter has, when she first bought her house, there was a lot of holes in her front yard. So she filled them all with dirt and then planted grass over it. And that, so we never did find out what was big in those holes. They're about the size of a quarter. But now in the backyard, she's got frogs. You know how to get rid of frogs? <laughs> How does she, uh, that's you know, kind of unusual. Does she have a pond or something? Well, there is a creek about um, 200 feet away from oh, her. Oh, that's a long way. That They wouldn't be there. So these are probably, rather than frogs, these are probably toads. And, uh, I mean, what? Uh, how come she wants to get rid of them? Well, I, I guess she thinks they're digging holes. <laughs> no. <laughs> they no, don't. they're not digging holes. Yeah, those holes are not from, you know, from toads or frogs or anything like that. But to, to me, to have that kind of situation, to hear that sort of melody, you know, during the day, and especially if it's in a shaded area or, at, you know, at night or in the evening, that would be something that would be enjoyable. So I would think she should kind of think mm-hmm. of it that way as opposed to trying to get rid of them. But I don't know of anything that would actually kill, you know, frogs slash toads that, uh, you know, are available. And if she's seeing these, you know, quarter-inch holes, that's probably from worm castings. So in other words, she's got a lot of earthworms in her yard, and they push these worm castings up, and uh, that's what, you know, there's a little pile of, you know, soil that's right next to the, you know, these holes. Okay, thank you. I'll tell her. And and so you think the toads are de- beneficial? Yeah, I mean they're eating bugs and everything else, so they're going to be to the advantage. Okay, thank you. I'll tell her. Okay, great. Thank you. And now let's see. Where should let's head over to Sandy's yard. Hi, Sandy. Hi there, Mike. Um, your uh, 
release for the deer attacking my hosta um, with the Irish Spring bars of soap. They work great. I shave them. I break them into little pieces. I put whole bars under my big hosta, and it works. Perfect. Um, Yes, on the daffodil uh, foliage topic, I uh, follow your advice every year, and I, you know, when it, the foliage is, is half brown and ugly, I, I chop it down. But this year, my brand-new daffodil, I planted 200 bulbs. Um, they were the tall variety, very beautiful. The foliage is still totally green, and they have not bloomed. I mean, they've been gone, you know, the flowers for five weeks at right. least. Can I, can I, can I chop it down? Well, you can, but uh, I would say as long as it looks, it looks green. I mean, why not just enjoy the green unless they're well, well, in there. If they're mixed in with other plants that you want to see the other plants, then I would say they should be able to be cut down. Okay. Because there, some of them are just in bunches in my front yard and it looks a little bit unsightly and my other flowers, you know, look, look so nice. Okay. So even though it's green, I can, I can get rid of it. Yeah. Because if they've been, you know, so in other words, they've had plenty of time to build up the bulbs for the, you know, for next year. So consequently, usually by this time, you're already starting to see them at least, you know, start to turn brown. Why these aren't, it's because of our weather's just been perfect for them. Okay, gotcha. One last thing, please. We, uh, you mentioned a couple of weeks ago about uh, mulch, yellow, I mean, white powder in mulch. Um, right. Is Did you say that was a fungus? Yeah, it certainly could be. Well, can I just put my bedding plants around my mailbox in that mulch with uh, some of that white fine powder, or is it going to uh, kill my um, begonia? Because my begonia don't don't look super great there. So that's you know rake it up a little bit and try to get some air circulation in there and. Uh, just in the future, get a different type of mulch so you don't get, you know, get that, you know, kind of problem. Or should I take it all out, put a fungicide down, and then re a little bit, you know, a little more potting soil, and then should I just do it over? Uh, if you you could go ahead and do that if you want to, or just go ahead and just rake it and just don't get your plant, don't install the new plants until you start to see, uh, let's say, a period of, let's say, five to seven days where the the powdery mildew or whatever it happens to be, you know, on your mulch doesn't show up. Okay. So uh, would it hurt to do a fungicide now? Well, you could do it, sure. Okay. Thank you so much for the program. (laughs) I'm there every Saturday the whole time. (laughs) Oh, great. Well, thanks for having me Uh on your show. Great. Uh Bye. Bye. Mike Miller, Camwalks Garden Hotline, back after these messages. We go where you go. 1120 AM, 98.7 FM, KMOX.com. Back to the phones we go. Let's see, where should we go? How about, uh, mm -hmm. let's go over to Nancy's yard. Hi, Nancy. Hi, Mike. Um, I have two questions. I have have three boxwood bushes in my front landscaping, Mm -hmm. and only one of them, I think, suffered some of that damage from the cold spell. Right. Because on one side of the bush, there's some brown dead branches, and on the other side of the bush, it's beautiful and green. So should I leave the dead branches in there or try to cut them out? Now, is it are the dead branches on the side that's 
facing your house? Uh, they're in front of my house, in um, under my picture window. There's okay. three of them. So, but on the the side that's looking dead on the one is that the side that backs up to your house. Well, you know, it doesn't get a lot of sun right. like the other side does. So that's probably part of the factor as well as uh, the weather factor. So, yeah, if you could go ahead and leave them if you want to and see how they look going in the, you know, by the time we get around to fall to see if they've kind of pushed out any new growth. But my guess is you're going to end up having to prune them out. Okay, because I was afraid that if I did that, then it's going to leave a big bare area in yeah. that part of the bush. Yes, it will. When you, that's why I'm saying leave it and see if they're, if it has the ability to recover on its own. Because okay. once you cut this off, you're going to be looking into the into the sort of skeletized inside. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, at first I thought, well, I hope it's not a disease of any kind. No, generally, I'm not saying it couldn't possibly be. But it's probably not. Okay. Just leave it alone, and hopefully it will fill back in again. Right. But the, you know, the brown leaves that are there, they're going to drop off. So I just hope the stems uh, you know, are still viable and are going to be able to push out some new growth. But, again, if these are on the back side of your boxwood, you know, which faces your house, then yeah. that's not a good sign. Oh, oh. all right. Um, well, my second question is, uh, something's eating holes in my hostas, and someone told me to put beer in a container and put it by them, and if it slugs, they'll climb in and they'll drown. Have you ever <laughs> heard of that? Yeah. Oh. Well, they'll get okay. drunk and then they'll drown. <laughs> okay. So go ahead and try that then. Right. Either that or you can you can do that or you can go to your favorite garden center and get some slug and snail bait. But slugs and snails are very active now. Uh, you can just look at the sort of slimy stuff on your sidewalk. You wonder what's making these kind of streaky, silvery things across your sidewalk in you know, slugs and snails. And they're doing their, let's say, activity at night. Okay. And then also or I could go to, out there at night, huh? And yeah. With and, a flashlight and get them? <laughs> exactly. And then also they like to hang out on the underside of leaves. So, you know, watch out for that, too. Okay. All right. Well, thanks so much. Sure. Good luck. And get, okay, get those slugs and snails drunk. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. And now let's head over to Don's yard. Hi, Don. Good morning, Mike. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Uh, I have a question as far as I have some pinholes in my roses on the leaves. Is that a disease or something that's causing it? It's never happened before. You know, the little holes in the green greenery of my roses. Yeah, it could be that, or it could be if you have had any hail, it could be damage from hail. So, oh, I see. I mean, it could be just a physical type thing. The The things that generally eat the, the leaves don't just eat holes. So, in other words, the bugs that eat the leaves don't do that. So, to me, it's got to be something, you know, physical as opposed to something that's, uh, you know, an insect-related type thing. Is it something that I can uh, powder or something I could put on the rose uh, uh, without damaging the, the, the rose itself? Yeah, you pro- go to your favorite garden center and get a systemic type insecticide. Systemic means that you're going to put it 
You're going to pull the mulch back if you have mulch. You're going to sprinkle it on the ground, water it in. Then it's going to, the rose is going to take it up. And then if anything starts to feed on the foliage, then it will kill them. So it will minimize any kind of damage. All right. I see. Okay. Now, uh, azalea, did the weather damage a lot of azaleas in people's yard? I didn't get no color at all this year from the they, yeah, uh, a lot of them were, you know, the the flower buds basically got knocked out. I mean, we even had a call earlier from a lady that uh, her uh, rhododendron it was disappointing this year after multiple years of being very good, but the weather caused that. Oh, okay, because I'm a victim of it. Okay, <laughs> okay then, that's, that's my question for today. Thank you for taking my call and have a good day. Sure, you do the same. And now let's see what's going on in Martha's yard. Hi, Martha. Good morning. Good morning. I have the wonderful um, wild violets that are just everywhere in my yard. What can I do to get rid of them? Or is there anything to do? <laughs> Embrace the violets. No, they're really difficult. Uh, what you want to do is go to your favorite garden center and tell them you have the violets. They're going to give you a broadleaf weed killer. Then you're going to spray that. on. If it's mixed into your lawn, you're going to spray it on each individual one. Okay. Well, I'll try that then. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it's a long, involved process, and they're, yeah, they're very like, aggressive. Yeah, they are. Well, listen, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Sure. And let's see. Where should we go now? Let's go over to Sharon's yard. Hi, Sharon. Yes, Mike. <clears throat> I have trouble with uh, barberry bushes. I have scale on the bushes, we have sprayed dormant oil on it twice now, uh, the last, uh, within two weeks. Uh, uh, the more and more areas seem to be dying. Well, the scale, you know, you dormant oil should be sprayed during the dormant period. So to spray it when the, you know, this time of year is not good for the plants. Oh. So, in other words, there's a horticultural oil, which you can spray when there's, you know, warm temperatures and everything else. But dormant oil should be sprayed during the wintertime, basically. So, during dormancy. Okay. So, you may have contributed to the down, you know, downward spiral. But usually, I mean, scale, even if it's killed off, won't fall off the plant. But if you're seeing more, you know, damage, more twigs or branches or whatever dying... It could be related to the scale aspect, but also it could be related to the ap- application of the dormant oil at the wrong time of year. Well, it says here that uh, on the instructions, it said ornamentals, uh, spray foliage thoroughly, uh, plant, do not spray plant in the midday with a spray of temperatures above 90 degrees. So I, since it wasn't above 90 degrees, I thought it was usable in the spring, too, but obviously not. Right. Okay. So is there any hope now? What do I do now with it? Basically, if you've got brown, you know, the foliage is falling off and things like that, those stems may be dead or those twigs may be dead. I oh, say, they're dead. There's no doubt about this. Okay. Yeah. So go, go ahead. I mean, just kind of prune those off and uh, kind of keep your fingers crossed that it's going to, you know, the part that hasn't been damaged is going to be able to recover from an aesthetic standpoint. So and if I see scale on new areas, just hope for the best? 
Well, you can, or you can get, there's a summer weight horticultural oil, which you can spray during the growing season or do the application of the dormant oil during the wintertime. Okay. All right. If they, so if they live till wintertime, I can spray the dormant oil again. Okay. Right. So, but we might lose them if, if I've done enough damage. Right. Exactly. A combination of whatever problems there were and then spraying, you know, kind of off sequence. Okay. Okay. Thanks for your help. Appreciate it. Sure. My pleasure. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Hello. Hi. Hi, Mike. Thank you. Um, Yeah, I put in um, tall fescue sod a couple, like three years ago. And this year I'm getting patches of uh, clover and I hear it's pretty stubborn. I just want to know what is the best thing to use on this. You're kind of cutting out. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I'm in a metal building. Give me a second. I'll get outside. Hello? Hello. I'm almost outside. Wow. Must be a big building. I'm in a big metal building. Okay. I'm outside. Sorry. Um, no, I... Um, New sod, tall fescue. Right. And so uh, what is the very best thing to use on it? Probably if you really want to kill it is I'd go after it with Roundup. If you hate Roundup. So in other words, you can get Roundup and you can get like a cone at the tip of the spray. And that way it keeps it just from going right at that one spot. And just spray on the clover on that, uh, you know, with the Roundup with that sort of more or less cone on the tip of the sprayer. So you don't get any drift onto your lawn. Oh, really? I mean, that's it'll kill the grass, too. If you don't get it into the grass, it won't. It has to land on the grass blades to kill the grass. Yeah. Well, it's kind of mixed in. Oh, okay. Well, then there's... You could try a broadleaf weed killer, so in other words, like a weed be gone. But against clover, it's not really all that effective. Give that a try, though. Okay, thank you very much for your time. Sure. You have a good day. Yeah, my pleasure. And now let's go to Linda's yard. Hi, Linda. Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, I have two questions. We recently planted a uh, six or eight-foot maple tree. Okay. And it has a... Uh, stem, a supporting piece of wood that goes up the whole length of it. And I'm just wondering when we can uh, take that stick out. Uh, you, Hopefully the stick wasn't so tight or the tree trunk wasn't so tight tied to the stick that when the wind's blowing, the tree doesn't have any kind of movement at all because that's how you actually help a tree to get established is some wind movement. So it should be flexible enough. I would say uh, if it's just a wooden stick that's running down by the trunk, you could almost take it out now. I don't think it's... It needs to really be staked in a different way. Stakes, like three of them with like kind of a, let's say, uh, some kind of rope that goes up and, you know, lets it be flexible enough so the tree trunk and and branches and everything move gently in the winds. And believe me, with the winds we've been having, it it moves quite well. <laughs> well, that's great. That'll help it establish. 
So leave it in for a while? Yeah, you could leave it in, but probably by fall I would go ahead and take it out. Okay. Oh, good to know. Thank you. And also I'm seeing little bug shells. I don't know what to call them. Like in the summer when the cicadas come and then they leave those shells. Right. I'm seeing them around my yard now. They're only about an inch long. They're little. Well, I mean, what that could be. It could be the cicadas. I don't, you know, it's a little tough without actually seeing what what it could possibly be. I would probably just take a couple of them to your favorite garden center and let them identify them. They look exactly, but I'm not hearing any cicada uh, noise. You know, the song that they right. Yeah, it's odd to see them this time of the year. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Well, that's all I needed to know. Thank you so very much. Yeah, probably the only reason why some of them emerged, you know, up out of the ground, that's where basically they're coming up from, is, you know, our weather's been so screwy, it's kind of threw some of them off, and that's why they, let's say, came out a little bit premature. Interesting. Okay, thank you so much, Mike. Sure. Let's head over to Carol's. Hi, Carol. Hi. Hi. You got me? Yes. Okay, I have a question about a boxwood again. What's the best way to trim them? Uh, Not going into summertime. So that's because when you cut off the tips, they've been more acclimated to the weather and everything else. What you do is if you cut them going into summer, they could get, you know, the, the remaining branches, twigs, whatever, can get sunburned. So best time well, to do, do I, it is... Do I, want to, do I want to trim off the top, or do I want to go down in and kind of take out some of the depth of the bush so uh, that it's not quite so thick? Well, you want to leave it thick. I mean, that's why people like boxwoods, because they, you know, they're like a box. So in other words, they... Right. So they kind of close off a view or whatever. You can't see through them. So you don't want to really do that. That's not the best way to prune. But best way to prune is an exterior type thing. Okay. Then just can I use uh, a regular hedge trimmer? Yeah. Just make sure you just don't do it. You know, probably best time to do it is the ideal time to do it would be coming out of wintertime. So like... Fair, you know, Valentine's Day to, you know, Ides of March, that type, you know, type of circumstance. When the severest okay. weather t- temperatures are over with, and then consequently the new growth will come and help kind of, you know, fill in where, the, or aesthetically fill in where it, it's been pruned off. Okay, thank you. Yep. And let's see, now let's go over to, hi, Rich, how are you? Fine, thank you. I have a lot of the long leaves from the surprise lily in my front yard. They're lying down and starting to burn, turn brown. Can I cut those back now? Yeah, definitely. Once any kind of you know, foliage from any kind of spring flowering bulb is laying down, and then definitely when it's turning brown, you can cut them off. Cut them off right at ground level. All right. Thank you very much. I enjoy your program. Well, thanks for having me on your show. Now let's head over to Sue's yard. Hi, Sue. A comment for the lady who sprayed the dormant oil at the wrong time. Right. Um, if if she used Dawn dishwashing liquid in, a, in water in a sprayer, 
could she spray that off and, and maybe hopefully save her plant? Uh, it just depends upon how long ago she has sprayed and what kind of damage is already there. So that's just kind of an aesthetic thing, taking it off the surface. But if the just depends upon how, you know, what degree and when and everything else. Right. It wouldn't right. hurt, but it's not necessarily going to be, you know, it's not going to be all that helpful. You just don't know. It wouldn't hurt to try it. Yeah, I just thought maybe if, if it wasn't too long ago, she could spray it now and maybe the whole plant wouldn't die. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Well, you, you're probably right. That would, you know, that would that's a good idea. Okay, thank you. Yep. Love and, your show. Well, thank you. And let's go over to Linda's yard. Hi, Linda. Hello, Mike. Hello, yes. Uh, Mike, the cicadas. These are a different variety than the cicadas that most of us are accustomed to. Ah. I don't remember. I believe the larger ones are called dog day cicadas. But anyway, they are a much larger cicada uh, that will emerge a little bit later this year. But we have had uh, many more of the smaller shells uh, scattered about uh, various places in our garden. And uh, if you see the live cicada... They have red eyes. Whoa. And they're not much different in creating any problems in our garden. Uh, and anyway, uh, uh, they, they make uh, the small holes in the soil, and then uh, you will find their uh, shells just like the others. Okay, so those holes are the emergings, emerging from the soil up out into the... That's, that's the... where those small cicadas, the nymphs, are emerging from. Ah, great. Well, good. Thanks for the insight. Okay. Good luck. Yep. And we've got phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, back to the phones we go, and let's go over to Mary Lou's yard. Hi, Mary Lou. I made a mistake last time I called you about the frogs or the toads. The holes are about as big as a golf ball, and they're shallow. So well, she just wants to know what's digging those holes in her yard. It's probably squirrels. Oh, okay. I'll tell her that. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. It, it just happens that she saw a squirrel. Uh, and are they digging for roots? or? Well, they're just digging for who knows what. <laughs> okay. Squirrels are crazy. <laughs> okay, they are. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yep, my pleasure. And now, so, yeah, the toads and frog thing was very interesting. But anyway, so thank you, and I hopefully we got it straightened out. Let's head over to Tony's. Hi, Tony. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Quick question on red spider mites. I've got them all over my patio walls. Uh, with the stone on top, and then I'm getting ready to put out a bunch of flowers. So what can get rid of the spider mites from the concrete and and once they get on the flowers, or if they do, to uh, kill them when they get on the uh, uh, flowers? Yeah, usually they're not going to be on, you know, structural-type things because there's nothing there for them to eat. So I'm surprised they would be there. But just go to your favorite garden center and get a mite aside. Because that will kill basically anything that's a spider-related type circumstance. Does vinegar work on them? 
uh, horticultural vinegar, regular vinegar. Uh, it's a little bit iffy. You could try it and see what you think. Because oh, all, all over the, uh, the uh, know-it-all Internet, they talk about vinegar or liquid dish soap, Dawn. Yep. I mean, you can try those things. Sometimes they're effective. Sometimes they're ineffective. The other stuff has just been manufactured to do that specific type thing. Why would they be on the, the top of the concrete walls? All, I mean, I've got three different walls, and they're all over them. Yeah, I don't understand because, like I say, there's, you know, they just it just doesn't seem like it would be the spider, the classic spider mite that would attack plants because there's nothing there for them to eat. They eat. I mean, they actually eat. You know, they get on the underside of the leaves and they you know suck spots. And that's what they, you know, they survive. But I can't see them sucking anything off the concrete, so I don't know. What you? Yeah, might. I mean, they, they they look like red, small spiders, bright red. They're just everywhere. So what you might do is the home improvement show. You might call Scott Mosby and ask him, you know, about that and see what he says. Okay, thank you, sir. Sure, my pleasure. Now let's go over to Jim's yard. Hi, Jim. Hey, how you doing? Very good. My- uh, anyway, I uh, use Irish. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Spring in my van, and so far I've never had a deer in the inside. Perfect. <laughs> And uh, anyway, I've got a uh, uh, Rose of Sharon. It's probably about a one and a half inch in diameter. Is it too late to move it, or should I wait till fall? One and a half inch. I would not. Moving it this time of year, because we just don't know if we're going to have you know, a severe hot spell, it could really do some damage. I would wait until fall to move it. Okay. All right. Then the next thing, we got English ivy, and I guess over the winter, that cold spell knocked a lot of it out. Uh, Will it? Well, I don't believe it'll come back, but, I mean, there is new sprigs and stuff like that, but uh, trimming it back, uh, I'm afraid I'm going to cut off the new growth and that stuff. Yeah, so I would say leave it alone. Don't uh, if you want to add some plants, you can do that if you can do it within the next couple of weeks. But you know, if by the time summer's over with and you've got let's say areas in the ivy that uh, are blank, go to your favorite garden center and get a couple of flats of the ivy. Okay, all right, okay, thank you. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's go to Cindy's yard. Hi, Cindy. Hi, Mike. Thanks Hi. for your program. Sure. Um, I got two questions, and I hope that I'll be quick that I can get them both in. My, our favorite trees, the white ash trees, we got two of them. One's bit the dust, and the other one, it's it's got green in the dead part, you know. And would that be okay just not get that one cut down and keep it till it, uh, you know, goes all the way dead? Or you, should we just cut it down? And then what could I replace it with? That that has you know that white ash has that perfect shape. Right. That's what I liked about them. 
Yeah, it's uh, unfortunately the Ashes have experienced some major problems, and yeah, so I know consequently, that. you know, you can wait until it's you know pretty much all dead to have it taken down if you want. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, during this process, it's going to lose its shape and everything else. The reason why you like the ash trees, but I would yeah. probably you know look at uh, maybe October Glory or Red Sunset Maple and see if that can, oh okay and see if that can help you. October Glory, yeah, is that what you said? Yeah, October Glory or Red Sunset. Those are going to give you a good fall color. Uh huh. And then my second question is. Um, uh, don't tell no. Don't let nobody tell my daughter. But she got me two, three pl- plants in in pots, you know. But they was the plastic pots, and I got sick and we couldn't plant them. And they're um, seasonal ones, you know, like they're dying off. But they're not really dead, dead all the way. I don't think. Now I could just take them out of that and plant them. But it, would it be okay? Because there's like. A, Oh, shoot, daffodils in one, and then there's something else. There's like three or four plants all in this little pot. Well, it could be pansies, but it sounds like she got those in the early spring. So anything that she would have purchased that time of year doesn't like the heat of the summertime, so they're going to go downhill really quick. Okay, but they'll be dormant, and it's the kind that come back every year. Yes. So can I still plant them in the in my flower bed? Yeah, you could go ahead and plant the daffodils. The other ones, without knowing exactly what type it is, they may be just a one you know one season thing, and in other words, like uh-huh. a cool season annual that's not going to uh-huh. come back. Uh huh. Uh-huh. And then uh, one more question, if I got time, I have I got this. Um, I was hoping it was a weeping Chinese um, uh, red maple, and it's, uh, you know, the miniature ones that people put in by their house right. and in their yard. Yeah, the, and, uh, they have the maroon leaves. Yes, yes, right. yes. And that's been maybe four years ago, but it's not real, real big. But on the ticket, the instructions is set, which I didn't read it right and uh i uh it says that it could go up to eight feet now if i trim that the top part keep trimming it down will that keep it down little yeah eight feet is you know the maximum height more more than likely it would probably get the three to four maybe five feet but it's going to get really wide that's where most of the growth is going to be is horizontal not vertical right right okay and can this fall could i Take a chance of digging it up, put it somewhere else so it's got more room or not. Uh, how long has it been in the ground? Oh, maybe three, four years. Uh, you're going to take a chance by moving it. and oh, uh, okay. So if you do move it, make sure that the hole you're moving it to is three times the diameter of the root ball. And the root ball has yeah. got to be, you know, pretty good size and it's going to be uh-huh. pretty heavy. And then only about 80% is deep. So, in other words, the top of the root ball is going to be above the surrounding ground. Right. And how, how deep does those roots go, do you know? Uh, generally, uh, that type of maple, maybe uh, 10 inches or so. So, S- Cindy, thank you. Chris, Tom, and Ron, sorry we're not going to have a chance to talk to you today. But hopefully the Garden Hotline will be back next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, 
celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.